Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Happy Friday, everybody. For the 23rd time. This is fitting. We got the last dance going on. For the 23rd time. I'm not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. Somebody messaged me the other day and said I blew it. I screwed up. I fucked something up. So I'm just going to admit that I was wrong. I'm not going to change anything. But, and I'm not changing anything mostly because I like the way the logo looks. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I like my, I like my aesthetics. But uh, he said you blew it. You could have called it not Joe Flacco's podcast, and it would have been perfect because this is not Joe Flacco's podcast, and it's not Joe Flacco's podcast. And I really fucked it up. And now that you hear that, maybe you can unhear it. Maybe you'll just be thinking it's not Joe Flacco's podcast every time I say not Joe Flacco, the podcast. Man, I don't have many regrets in life, but this is one of them. I'm only 23 episodes in, but yeah, I don't think I'm changing. I like Nacho Flacco, the podcast, because then I got Nacho Flacco, the memes, Nacho Flacco, the blog. But then it also works. Nacho Flacco's memes. No, they're Nacho Flacco's memes. God, I fucking blew this. Anyways, we are doing the lightning round today. I I've I've been looking at the 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 follower questions and the and the voicemails and I've been looking at them and listening to them and I'm like God I just can't I can't do you know ten or fifteen minutes on one of these questions or the question just kind of wasn't and when I say I can't do it, it it's kind of a like I don't want to like it doesn't. It, you know, it, I'd just be I'd just be filling stuff in where I didn't really want to. It wasn't, you know, it's not questions that are are that strike me as stuff that because some you know some of this stuff you know, like you guys have heard the podcast. I like doing my research on this stuff, and you got to want to do the research. It's you know it's a little bit of homework, and so I've got four questions here that I really like the questions, but they just weren't they just weren't something that I was going to spend you know fifteen or twenty minutes talking about like the way yesterday I was talking about the Rodgers scenario. Like the Rodgers thing was really interesting to me because I'm like, man, I want to go through each team. Like where could Aaron Rodgers go? And with this, this, you know, I was able to just kind of kind of rattle off the top of my head. Now we end with, so I got four questions. I got Jalen Hurts to Philly, top five teams going into 2020, forgotten running backs. And I just limited this. There's so many forgotten running backs. I just limited it to like the last 20 years. And I've even got a meme out of it. And then my favorite 49ers moment or memory. And so I put the 49ers thing at the very end in case you guys don't want to listen to any of the 49ers shit. But um, it's a, a personal story for me. It's it's my uh, um, it's it's my retelling of the all the shit that happened around the um, 
around my first 49er game. So um, anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you got to do. Subscribing to the pod is the most influential thing you guys can have to do to bump up my uh, bump up the ranking and and increase the clout and get us closer to the um, uh, get us closer to the front page of Apple. What they're looking for is time that you're on here and um, you know how much you're listening and then are you subscribed? So would love would love for you guys to take some click that button subscribe help me out and uh we'll get back to it so here is the lightning round four questions from you guys send them in the link is in my bio on ig if you want to submit your own questions thanks guys hey not joe um i was a bit confused on the um eagles picking jalen hurts um and then they said that they're probably going to use him as a running back. Um, just, I'm kind of confused. Can you like give me an analysis on what you think about this, or like if it's just ridiculous, or do you think that he's going to be a big part of that um, offense up in Philly? Appreciate it. So you guys, you guys might think I'm going to be inconsistent on this one because. I don't hate this pick nearly, nearly as much as I hate the Jordan Love pick. A couple of reasons why. One, uh, Jalen Hurt, the, the Eagles already showed their commitment to Carson Wentz in the first round by taking the wide receiver. Two, uh, Jalen Hurts is actually a potential weapon for Carson Wentz and could be on the field at, with him at the same time, kind of like Taysom Hill is with the Saints. And the third is that Jalen Hurts, I think the consensus is that he's more of a project quarterback anyways, and that there's less uh, threat to Carson Wentz in the short term. The other thing is Carson Wentz has got to know his own injury history. You know, he's missed, I think, eight regular season games plus the postseason, you know, those postseason games that he missed. So he's missed quite a few games already in just four years. And having a second quarterback for this team that is – Certainly, you know, they were a playoff team last year. I think that I think that they're a wild card team this year, uh, or at least, you know, the, the threat for the wild card. I don't necessarily I don't see them winning the division. I think that the Cowboys have probably improved too much. But the um yeah, I don't I don't I don't hate this pick. Could they would would I have done it? No. You know, if you're gonna stockpile you know, quarterbacks like the like the old Packers used to, where they, you know, were Mark Brunel and Ty Detmer and, you know, Matt Flynn and all these guys that they would take in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. That's one thing. You know, you taking a quarterback in the second round is usually a signal of something, right? I mean, that's where Andy Dalton was taken, Kaepernick was taken, Jimmy G was taken. Like, these are highly regarded quarterbacks that maybe just aren't ready to take over four the guy right now and but with Jalen Hurts I think the you know he's probably if you were just going to take him as a quarterback he probably would have been a third or a fourth round pick but given everything else that he can do and given that in today's NFL yeah I mean it goes back you know the the coach's cliche the more you can do the more valuable you are this is a guy that you know is going to do he's going to play enough of a role. Like he might end up with a couple hundred rushing yards. He might end up with, 
you know, 10 or 15 catches on top, on top of, you know, potentially a couple touchdown, a couple touchdown passes, you know, the, the Tim Tebow jump pass at the line of scrimmage, like he's going to be a weapon, you know, uh, bringing him in on the read option. Like he's going to be a weapon in the short term, uh, again, the same way that, that uh, Taysom Hill is. And so for that reason, I think it's, it shouldn't be as, as big of a slap in the face to Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz takes it as a slap in the face and it's extra motivation for him. Good for the Eagle that, you know, that's not going to hurt either. So, um, I don't, I don't hate the pick, not what I would have done, but I don't hate the pick. Hey, what's up? Nacho Flacco. Uh, just wondering who you think the top five NFL teams going into the season are now, you know, after the draft and free agency. Uh, yeah, thanks. So the question is, who are my top five teams right now post-draft in the NFL? I think I'd have a serious bone to pick with anybody that didn't have, in some order, Chiefs, Niners, Ravens, and Saints as the top four. I think those are the four most complete teams. I think you've got some excellent defenses there, some excellent offenses. Uh, I think that, you know, even when the, you know, in the Niners case, you know, great defense, but the the number, they were also the number two high scoring team in the league last year. Um, Chiefs, great, great offense. And, you know, now they've got the championship swagger behind them. Saints always have something to prove. You know, you know, you know they're they they're looking at their window as closing, even even with the Jameis Winston signing. So, uh, and then the Ravens, you know, they're coming off a you know they're they're literally trying to follow the the uh, the Chiefs playbook, which is you know the Lamar Jackson, you know um, doesn't doesn't start opening day of his rookie year, uh, takes over, comes in the next year. They flame out of the playoffs. The following year, wins the MVP, gets the cover of Madden, and that's the exact path that Mahomes just went through. So, you know, and then you know follows that up with the Super Bowl. So that's those are, those would be the four teams of that I think everybody should have. So shouldn't be any surprises there. This one might be a surprise. And it comes because, and I've, I've, I think I said this after the after the draft because I didn't like their first the I didn't like the position they chose for their first round pick. Love the player. On top of that, uh, came back afterwards and and they filled all the holes I thought they should have started filling sooner. They've improved it, their coach, and their quarterback has a ton riding on this season. And so we'll see if, if the pressure is going to be too much, but the Cowboys might be, you know, I, I, I posted on uh, maybe funniest NFL memes. You know, he, he posted something bad. I said, you know, Cowboys Niners NFC championship game. And it made my skin crawl because those were some of the most stressful years of my life. Um, the 90, 293 94 uh 95 seasons where where the Niners and Cowboys were just going back and forth and back and forth and I think I was in middle school then 
And so you're like just way too invested in, in your NFL team. And, and it's just way too fucking important. And uh, so, but I, I really think, I mean, this was a team that they were, they were basically a 10 and six team off, off the expected record. So based off point differential, they should have been a 10 and 16. And yeah, I think between the coaching and some of the other stuff, some bad luck, you know, ended up missing out on the playoffs. And well, I, well, I don't think they missed out on the playoffs. I know they missed out on the playoffs. And because of that, you know, teams that underperformed that their point differential usually come back the next year and win an extra couple of games. On top of that, you know, they certainly got better on offense. I think I think CD Lamb's a huge upgrade over Randall Cobb. I didn't think they needed to make the upgrade. I think they could have found an exact replacement later in the draft. But, you know, if you're going to improve, fine. Go ahead and improve. Especially because then they went and got guys that I'd seen mocked in the first round, like uh, Trayvon Diggs. They got him to play cornerback or replace Byron Jones. They got the top-rated center in the league uh, from Wisconsin, I think. So they plugged holes. Um, I think pass rush would would probably be the one that stands out. They might feel okay with Alden Smith. He's, uh, you know, I doubt that's going to work out. I mean, this guy hasn't played football in four years. So, but I still think the Cowboys, one, underperformed their point differential last year. I know they underperformed their point differential last year, so that should give them an extra win or two. That gets them in the 9-7, and 10-6 range. And if they got better and with better coaching, you know, I think I think I don't love McCarthy as a coach, but I certainly think he's better than Jason Garrett. So, you know, maybe that gets them an extra win. I mean, you could be looking at the Cowboys as like an 11 or 12 win team this year. I it's not going to it's going to dry up some memes. Not it's it's gonna dry up some some memes, but I could s- definitely see the Cowboys putting together an eleven or twelve win season. Still not going very far in the playoffs, but definitely putting together somewhere in the ten to twelve win season. So I've got the Cowboys as my as my May first top uh, number five team in the NFL. I'm probably forgetting another team, but I feel like they've. They're at least at the top of my mind. I'm at least thinking of them like they're going to like win a playoff game, at least. You should do a video about forgotten running backs over the last 10 or 20 years, like Chris Ivory, Darren McFadden, Matt Forte, Justin Forsett, DeMarco Murray, Alfred Morris, and D'Angelo Williams, and etc. Okay, so Calvin is asking about forgotten running backs. And I and I think this is kind of a trick question because there's so fucking many of them. Like fantasy studs that, you know, they're not going to make the Hall of Fame. They didn't have very long careers. But if you were playing fantasy football in the first half of, you know, in, 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 the, in the 2000s as opposed to the, the, the 2010s, some of these guys are absolute monsters. I mean, you've got guys like Jamal Charles, who is the NFL career leader all time in yards per carry. But he didn't come up much. 
you know, when you're talking about the greats. Um, Steven Jackson, he rushed for 10,000 plus yards. He's got to be, you know, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. The guy was a beast. Pass catching, rushing, he took over seamlessly for Marshall Falk and was just a beast. A, a just a monster to try and big down bring down, but also a really good pass catcher out of the backfield. It's like if it was like you know like slightly smaller Derrick Henry, but a, but an actual pass catcher and was contributing in the passing game. Jamal Lewis, monster. Obviously, got himself in some trouble, but an absolute monster Super Bowl champion. Clinton Portis. He's been in the news, not for being an all-time great running back, but he had 9,000 yards rushing in his career. Fred Taylor, another one, just an absolute load, but he played in Jacksonville. So who's going to remember him? And then Sean Alexander, who is one of the clearest, another guy who's just a fantasy monster, but another guy that just, a clear example of you know the rule of 370, which was if you give a running back 370 rushing attempts in a single year, you're you're ending their career basically. And if you go back and look, he had like I think he had damn near like 2,000 yards, and but he also had 370 carries, and never was the same. Never was the same. And I'm leaving off guys that are Hall of Famers, right? I'm leaving off Edger and James. I'm leaving off, off uh, you know, uh, Curtis Martin and and guys that had great careers and are getting recognized for it. But I don't see, you know, I don't see any of these guys necessarily making the Hall of Fame. Stephen Jackson, like maybe Jamal Charles will get might get some votes, but um, you know, it's it's going to be tough for any of these guys to to get that. To, to get any of those legacy type awards, and uh, it's just a, it's the nature of the position. And this is listen. I, whenever we talk running backs, I tend to I tend to go back to Frank Gore, but f- Frank never had the carries that Sean Alexander did in a single season, and it's part of the reason why Frank never had Frank wasn't going to turn down the rock, but it's why he never had the big 18, 1900 yard season that some of these other guys did. But that's what helped him play in the league for 15 years. So, you know, you, you kind of can't have it both ways. So if anybody's, if you're a Niner fan and everybody's telling you, oh, Frank wasn't great, look at the carries per season. And, you know, it. so what, what when you're looking at that, it's, it's, that's the thing that's extended his career. But it also, so, you know, he wouldn't have the career rushing totals if he had gotten the extra carries. But if he'd gotten the extra carries, he would have had the big season. Either way, I think he's still, you know, a. Um, either way, I think he's still probably a Hall of Famer. But he might have ended up on this list, like you know, at stopping at nine thousand yards instead of wherever he's at, at like fifteen or thirteen or whatever, whatever the number's at right now. So um, anyway, those are my six forgotten running backs of the. Uh, of this century anyways. And I've got a meme coming tomorrow that I'm proud of that I only have because of this question. 
I was doing some research and I came across something that was really, I thought was really funny. Um, and the old heads will appreciate it. So those are my forgotten running backs. At least of like the last 20 years. Hey, not Joe Flacco. Uh, coming from a fellow 49ers fan, what is your favorite 49ers moment uh, in your lifetime? You know, I'm only 15, so mine has got to be, you know, probably come just off the top of my head like this season. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, third and 15 catch. Oh, my God, dude, that game got my heart pumping. Or honestly, no, probably that just that whole Seattle Seahawks week 17 game, man. That game was too much stress for me, man. I couldn't even comprehend what was going on. It just felt so good to beat the Seahawks. Just like, you know, thinking back on it, it's always it's always a tough battle against them. Uh, anyways, thank you for, so much for your help on my podcast. And, uh, yeah, thank you. So my first NFL game of any team was with my buddy Robbie. It was at the L.A. Coliseum. This was before the Raiders. I grew up in L.A. It's before the Raiders moved to Oakland and obviously before they moved to Vegas. And it was Raiders and Falcons. And I just looked it up just because I wanted to get the year right. And it was October 23rd, 1994. That was my first NFL game. I was about to turn 13. Like in 10 days, 8 days, 9 days. And uh, Raiders won 30-17. Tim Brown caught a couple touchdown passes. I remember nothing about the game except for the fact that it was at the Coliseum and it was Raiders and Falcons. Like I had to look up the and who I was with. I was with Robbie and his dad. That is not my favorite football memory, though. Um, my first 49er game was unreal. The I was working, so I was... I had just moved up to college. I was just about to turn 21. I'd been at a, a city college for the first couple for the first three years and taking my time and moved up to moved up to school. And the Niners were having so it was the Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens 49ers. And the Niners were having a good season. And it was, two, again, 2002. And uh, just turned 21 that year. And I'd been, the last couple of years, I'd been working with, and I was in a fantasy football league, with a couple of guys that were huge Falcons fans. And we would been going to bars and everything, watching games. They were a few years older than me. And so I would I would go and take my fake ID and, and uh and we'd, we'd get after it on Sunday mornings, and it was a blast. But anyway, so the Falcons were good that year. They were 9-5-1 going into the final week of the season, and it was a lock that the Niners and Falcons were going to play each other uh, in my, on, on wild, card, um, wild Card Weekend in San Francisco. Just a, a lock. There was no doubt about it. So we all bought tickets. And the Falcons lost to the Browns on the very last game of the season and dropped their record to 9-6-1. and And they ended up, that was the year that they went and 
beat they had to go to Green Bay, and that's where Vic beat um, Favre in Green Bay. So the Falcons ended up having a really delightful game, right? Delightful wildcard weekend. And so instead, uh, my dad bought one of the tickets off of uh, my buddies, and he and I drove. I he he drove up Santa Barbara, and he picked me up in Santa Barbara, and we drove up from there. And the um, on the way up, he now he had this '84 diesel Mercedes, not a turbo diesel, a diesel Mercedes. And so these things go like if you're flooring it, these things are going like 75 miles an hour. And we uh, get pulled over on the way up on the way up to the game, and. And my dad wouldn't drive over 80 miles an hour even if he had a car that did. Um, gets pulled over and he's fucking livid. And I, I thought for sure, I'm like, this, this motherfucker's going to jail. I'm going to have to drive. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out a way to bail him out, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, so, you know, everything settles down. He gets his ticket, gets in the car. We, we drive up. And... Uh, um, we crashed in a motel and then the next day it drove the rest of the way up to the game. The, uh, the game was Niners versus Giants in San Francisco at Candlestick. And the Niners got off to a god awful start. And we're getting, basically getting, uh, basically getting blown out. And it was, like, it was bad. Like, the, let me just bring this up real quick. I just, I want to make sure I get this right, because it's, um, it was, it was bad. So, <clears throat> the, so, like, first score of the game, Terrell Owens takes a pass 76 yards from Jeff Garcia. And Niners are up 7 nothing. Well, the Giants score the next two touchdowns, Amani Toomer and Jeremy Shockey from uh, Penn State's finest, Kerry Collins. Kevin Barlow, who got his job taken by Frank Gore a few years later, scored to make it 14-14. And then the Giants just decided to push the Niners' shit in. Toomer touchdown. Toomer touchdown. Tiki Barber touchdown. Matt Bryant field goal. So at this point, it's 38-14 with four minutes left in the third quarter. So 24 points. I'm not sure. I for this is they had just, I think they must have just put in the two-point conversion. Must have just put it in. Because it, it had certainly hadn't been around for long. And Owens catches, T.O. catches a 26-yard pass from Jeff Garcia. And then they get the two-point conversion. And then it becomes, because before that touchdown, I had said to my dad, because my dad is a diehard 49er fan, but is also a guy that doesn't like sitting in traffic very much. And we were, I was just like, listen, it's going to be like, we got our asses kicked. 
if you he was going to stay for me because he knows I I hate leaving games. But I was like, listen, if I didn't, I didn't. This was for my own self preservation. I did not want to have to put up with this with this man on the drive back. If on top of the Niners losing, we had to sit in four hours worth of traffic just to get out of the game. So uh, then To so then To scores, and I'd offered. I'm like, hey, you know. If we don't do anything here, why don't we take off at the start of the fourth quarter? Beat traffic. Because we had a seven-hour drive home. This wasn't like we were driving around the block. We had a seven-hour drive home. And not that I think we would have beat much traffic, because if the Niners were losing that bad going into the fourth quarter, like there, there still would have been a few, fair amount of people leaving the game with us. <clears throat> and so 26-yard touchdown, then they get the two-point conversion. So now it's 38-22. Jeff Garcia to Tio again. So this is two minutes left in the third, and they score a touchdown. So that's 38-22. Then with 14.55, so only two minutes and eight seconds worth of game time later, Garcia to Owens again. Talk about like Kyle Shanahan levels of clock management here. You're up 38-22. There's only a quarter of football left. How do you let the other team get the ball back in only two minutes and eight seconds? So now it's 38-30. And this game is with 38-30 with 15 minutes of game left. Um, Seven minutes go by. You know, back and forth game, back and forth game. The Niners kick a field goal. And then... Fucking craziness ensues. The um, the Giants go to kick a field goal and botch the snap. This is the Trey Junkin botch snap game. And I think he botched two of them this game. But the one that is like etched in my memory is the is the last one, obviously. And botch snap. The holder rolls out, flings the ball downfield. Maybe there's some like it's either you know a legal man downfield. It's it's one of these no calls. They would have if they had to review this play the way they do in 2019 or 2020. This review itself would have taken 20 minutes because they would have had to figure like illegal man downfield and you know, pass interference and everything else, it would have taken 20 or 25 minutes. We'd have all been sitting there in the stands. Like we'd have like they would have had to have opened up the beer, the beer lines again just to just for the weight. Um and oh fuck, did I get this out of order? That was the game winning one. So the Niners then go uh, sorry. So 38-33, Niners go up, and then all this craziness happens with the fucking field goal. The Giants drive down, and with the clock ticking down, with the clock ticking down, that's when all this bullshit, he rolls the fucking snap back to the the holder. The holder rolls out, he flings the pass out, and it's it's just a mad dash. The ball's fucking everywhere, everybody's jumping all over the place. Pandemonium in the stands. Absolute pandemonium in the stands. And this is probably the first sporting event I'd been to since I'd turned 21. So you know I was drinking. Um, and and needless to say, the best 49er experience I've had 
And I was at Jerry Rice Day where Frank Gore broke the 49ers single game rushing record. But this was still it because I got my dad there. It's my first game ever. It's a playoff game. Huge epic comeback. Crazy controversial ending to the game. And uh, so that and then I got a bought a T-shirt in the parking lot. Still have the T-shirt. Um, it's not in great shape, but I still have it. So um, just a uh, just an epic, epic fucking game. And uh, I will I'll, I'll the details will probably be fuzzy and I'll probably screw up, you know, the order of the, the field goals and stuff uh, again in the retelling. But, um, you know, the 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 thing about those games and, and those experiences are it's just it's like you remember the feelings you had more than the fucking details. But um, uh, anyway, just a just a, a, a perfect a perfect day. So great question. Thanks for asking. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. I hope you liked what I had to say. If you didn't like it, I hope you come back next week and hear more of the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. Help me get that podcast clout. Thanks, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.